ought to be in the study as I'm trying to discern, Lord, is this really what you want me to share? Because it doesn't sound like that's going to really be much to it. And he keeps telling me, you preach what I tell you to preach, and I'll take care of the hearts that are here. And I'm saying that not as a compliment to me, because I struggle. I don't want to be boring, but one thing I do want to do is help you and I to grow in our faith and in our discipleship. And folks, one of the issues right now, I think, in our world is that it's not cool to be a Christian anymore, is it? And think about this for just a second. You talk to those people over on that mountainside, where is it, in Iraq, that have been told if you don't convert to Muslim or Islam, you're going to be killed. You know what I'm talking about? I got that right, don't I? I mean, they're literally under threat. And I'm beginning to feel that within our country, if you stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're either intolerant, a bigot, or whatever somebody might want to hurl at you. But folks, I want to tell you, when we stand up for Jesus, we are doing, number one, what he wants us to do. And he never promised it would be easy. Matter of fact, he died on a cross doing the will of God. And it's not going to be easy for us to take a stand. But you and I must grow in our faith. We must get to know Jesus in a closer and more intimate relationship. And this is what I'm trying to convey. And I think this is what the Lord is trying to convey to us in John chapter 14, verses 5 through 14. Let me pray and we'll get started on this passage of Scripture, okay? Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that your Spirit will now take control of not only what I say, but, Lord, of how each one of us listen to the words of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you will impress upon my heart as well as everyone here that this is the Word of God. This is the Son of God who is addressing not only those twelve disciples, but, Lord, addressing believers of every age, telling us that he wants us to know him not only as Savior, but also as Lord, and is the one who guides and leads us on a day-to-day basis. Father, help us to see how important it is, number one, that we are at church to read and study and hear the Word of God But help us to understand how important it is that we take the Word of God with us on a day-to-day basis so that those who do not yet know your Son might see Him living in us and so that we can make a difference in our world. Remind us that as John said about Jesus, He was the light of the world and the darkness could not overcome the light that He revealed. Father, help us to understand that even though it seems Christianity is under attack in many ways, that if we stand for Jesus, that you'll use our witness to change our world. And Lord, as you know, better than any of us, our world needs to be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, help us not as Christians to sit idly by as the world literally goes to hell. But Father, help us. Help us to be your instruments. Help us to be your mouthpieces. Help us to be your examples. And Father, may we know that we can know you in a close and intimate and personal way. Lord, please speak, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. John 14, beginning with verse 5. Thomas said to him, 
Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus responds to his question. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Henceforth, you know him and have seen him. And then Philip has a statement. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, listen to this question. Have I been with you so long and yet you do not know me, Philip? You and I could substitute our names in that, couldn't we? We could even perhaps substitute the name of our church, the Lord saying, Have I been with you so long and yet you do not know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Listen in these verses. Jesus is describing himself as God. And he is claiming his deity with the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. In this verse, verse 11, Jesus says, You believe me because of the spoken word that I've said to you. And if you don't want to believe my word, then believe the works that you have seen me do. Folks, how could this man, Jesus, perform miracles, cast out demons, raise the dead, if he is not the Son of God himself? And so Jesus says, if you're not going to believe my words, then believe what I've done in your presence. But then Jesus makes a promise. Listen to this, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will, do, will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Folks, we should not be powerless and weak as Christians and as churches because Jesus says... You'll do the works that I do, and you'll do even greater works. And then in verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I want to pick up from last week, and there's just a couple of quick things I want to share from last week. I want to read again John 10.10. For many years, I've used the last part of that verse in trying to witness to people. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. As Christians... Our Lord wants us not only to know Him as our personal Savior, but He wants to make our life beyond anything that we could ever imagine and expect. For a long time, I did not pay attention to the first part of that verse. The thief. Who is the thief? The thief is the devil. The devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And folks, I want to point out, as I did last week, Satan seeks to rob the lost of coming to salvation in Christ. And if you're here today and you have not yet trusted Christ as Savior, do not hear this as an intimidating statement from me or as a coercive statement where I'm trying to get you to follow Jesus because of what I'm telling you. Folks, Satan wants to rob you and I of coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. But folks, he doesn't stop there. 
If he cannot steal our soul, if we turn to Christ and are born into his kingdom, Satan seeks to rob the saved person of knowledge and knowing Christ on a day-to-day basis and fellowship with the Lord. Do you and I understand that Satan is not happy when you and I get saved, but he is terribly upset and angry when you and I get to know Christ and get to know Christ's plan for our lives and get to know his peace and joy and purpose in our day-to-day living. And so often I think we don't realize that we're not experiencing these things, we're not knowing Christ, we're not enjoying Christ, because Satan has robbed us of this. We have turned to him instead of to the Lord. And folks, one of the ways that we turn away and Satan robs us is through the knowledge of the Word of God. And and again, I'm not saying this just because I'm a preacher. I'm saying it because I am a believer. When you and I turn away from the Word of God and we don't feed our souls, folks, guess what? If you and I don't eat on a day-to-day basis, if we don't eat pancakes on a day-to-day basis, if we don't eat something, what is going to happen to our bodies? We're going to become weak. If we don't feed on the Word of God, guess what? We become weak in our spiritual life. If we don't learn more and more about Jesus, we know less and less about him please don't turn away from the preaching of the word of God please don't turn away from Sunday school please don't turn away from Bible studies during the week please don't turn away from giving God time in your day to day living to listen to him folks I'm pleading with you as your pastor folks I want you to know Jesus You see, God doesn't want us to wait until we get to heaven to get to know Him. He wants us to know Him right now in this life. He wants us to know His Son. He wants us to know His Holy Spirit. And being born into the kingdom of God, being saved, is just the first step of many in knowing Jesus as personal Savior. Folks, have you noticed something? And I hope, and, and I meant to tell you from the beginning, would you get out? We put it in the bulletin again this week, this outline of John, uh, 20, uh, John chapter, J- the Gospel of John. Okay, I'm kind of excited this morning because any time, I feel like any time that we get to talk about the Scripture, Satan is being beat down in our life. Any time we spend with God in the Scripture, we're getting the armor that we need to fight the temptations that we face every day. Every moment that we spend in Scripture, our spiritual body is growing stronger and stronger. And just as Jesus told those disciples, you'll be able to do greater works than I've done. Folks, God wants to do something in my life and your life and in the church. But we must yield ourselves to know Him in a greater way. Have you noticed in the Gospel of John how many times the word know is used? K-N-O-W. Warren Wiersbe says 141 times. But last Sunday as we closed, we pointed out, according to Warren Wiersbe, there are four different levels of knowing in the Gospel of John. I'm just going to quickly mention, remember last week, level one is the lowest level of knowledge. is simply knowing a fact. You see, the demons in hell, you remember we read this in James 2.19, the demons in hell know who Jesus is. Judas, one of the twelve, 
who had followed Jesus for three years or pretended to follow Jesus, had observed Jesus' miracles, had heard his teachings, had been present with him, but he did not commit his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was lost. He gave Jesus up for 30 pieces of silver, which when he came to his senses, gave it back, realizing what he had done. I hope and pray you and I will not live our lives hearing about Jesus, but never turning to Jesus and being born into the kingdom of God. The next level of knowledge is to hear the truth behind the fact of who Jesus is, but yet not believe Jesus or to abandon Jesus. And folks, I'm going to read a lengthy passage of Scripture to you. If you've been reading, you remember I asked you last Sunday to read a chapter a day? Folks, a powerful chapter is chapter 6 in the Gospel of John. You remember in that chapter, Jesus has fed the multitudes. Make sure I've got my remembrance right here. He has fed the multitude with five barley loaves and two fish. And this sets the stage for him to speak about being the bread of life. Now listen to John chapter 6, verse 30 to 34, and this is in the Living Bible. And again, this is going to be a lengthy passage of Scripture, but folks, my job is to share the Word of God with you, okay? And I want to do that. Listen to this, John 6, beginning with verse 30 in the Living Bible. They replied, you must show us more miracles if you want us to believe you are the Messiah. Now listen to this. They're telling Jesus, we're not going to believe you. Remember, he's already fed how many thousand men, not counting the children and women? 5,000 with what? Five barley loaves and two fish. Would you not say that that is a miracle? Can you do it? I'm not, this is not sarcasm. But they say, you must show us more miracles. Folks, throughout the Gospels, they kept asking for more signs, more signs. Well, let me ask you something. What does the Lord have to do? What does He have to do for you and me to make us believe? Every single day is a gift from Him. Amen? Did you stay up all night last night making sure your heart was breathing? I mean, your heart was beating and you were breathing? He watches over us. What more can He do to show us who He is? But this crowd is saying, if you want us to believe you are the Messiah, listen to this, give us free bread every day like our fathers had while they journeyed through the wilderness. As the scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven. Folks, they're quoting scripture to the Son of God. Can you imagine their nerve? Jesus said in verse 32, Moses didn't give it to them, my father did, and now he offers you true bread from heaven. You already know. But who is the true bread from heaven? It is Jesus. Listen to this, verse 33. The true bread is a person. The one sent by God from heaven, he gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day of our lives. And I don't have this verse, but the next verse, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Folks, let me try and picture what's going on. After Jesus fed the multitudes, they thought, well, guess what? If he can take five barley loaves, two fish, let's just hang with him the rest of our life. He'll feed us. You know, would that not be called spiritual welfare? 
Let's just let Jesus do everything. Let's let him do it all. So they're going to make him king. Jesus will not allow that. But he begins to speak to them about he being the bread of life. But folks, the more Jesus taught, the more they rebelled against it. Let's fast forward to verse 43. And again, this is a lengthy passage of Scripture. Verse 43. Then the Jews began to murmur against him because he claimed to be the bread from heaven. What they exclaimed? Why, he is merely, now listen to this, he is merely Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. Now folks, that is a slam. I don't have to tell you the Christmas story again to tell you that that Joseph and Mary were not, in the eyes of the Jewish people and Jewish religion, married. They had been betrothed. And so basically they're saying, you're an illegitimate child of Mary and Joseph, and here you are saying, you're the bread of life. What is this he's saying, that he came down from heaven? Folks, they're denying Jesus' very deity. But Jesus replied, don't murmur among yourselves about my saying that, for no one can come to me unless the Father who has sent who sent me draws him to me, and at the last day I will cause all such to rise from the dead. As it is written in the Scriptures. Now, folks, they had used Scripture against Jesus, but now Jesus is going to tell them Scripture. And what he is getting ready to say is a quote from Isaiah fifty-four thirteen. They shall all be taught of God. And folks, Isaiah said that there would be a day when for hearts that were obedient, God would teach them. And I want to ask you something. Has God taught us anything lately? And I'm not talking about through a a bad experience or some trial or some crisis. Are our minds and our hearts open to God teaching us? The more he teaches us, the more we're going to know him, the more we're going to know his son. Let me get back to the scripture. Those the father speaks to who learn the truth from him will be attracted to me. And let me tell you something. If you and I are not attracted to the Lord Jesus Christ and living for him, guess what? We're not being taught by the father. Because the father is going to point us to the son. The son is going to point us to the father. Amen. That's scriptural. That's exactly what's happening here. Not that anyone actually sees the Father, for only I have seen him. How earnestly I tell you this, anyone who believes in me already has eternal life. If you don't think you can know that you can be saved, listen to what Jesus says. Anyone who believes in me already has eternal life. Verse 48, yes, I am the bread of life. When your fathers in the wilderness ate bread from the skies, they all died. He's talking about back during the Exodus experience, and they're wandering in the wilderness. But the bread from heaven gives eternal life to everyone who eats it. I am that living bread that came down out of heaven. Anyone eating this bread shall live forever. The bread is my flesh given to redeem humanity. Then the Jews began arguing with each other about what he meant. And please notice something. The Jews, first of all, began to murmur against Jesus. Now they're beginning to argue among themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said it again. With all the earnestness I possess, I tell you this, unless you eat the flesh of the Messiah and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Now listen to this for just a second. Jesus is not talking about cannibalism or becoming a cannibal and eating a person's flesh. Folks, I think this is one of the greatest pictures of what the Lord's Supper is for us. 
as we take the, the bread, as we take the cup, we are literally saying that we're becoming a part of the broken body of Christ, crucified on the cross, and we're becoming a part of his blood that was shed on the cross. Verse 54, But anyone who does not eat my flesh and drink my blood, anyone who does eat my flesh, drink my blood, is eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is the true food, my blood is the true drink. Everyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood is in me and I in him. I live by the power of the living Father who sent me, and in the same way those who partake of me shall live because of me. I am the true bread from heaven, and anyone who eats his bread shall live forever and not die as your fathers did, though they ate bread from heaven. He preached this sermon in the synagogue in Capernaum. Even his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. Who can tell what he means? Now, folks, again, I'm not saying everything that Jesus says is easy for us to understand and discern. But folks, you and I lived 2,000 years after the coming, after the Word becoming flesh, after Jesus living, dying on the cross, being buried and raised from the dead. Folks, we ought to be able to understand what's going on here. Now look at verse 61. Jesus knew within himself that his disciples were complaining and said to them, Does this offend you? Have you noticed in this passage of Scripture, first of all, the Jews murmur against Jesus, then they argue among themselves, and then guess what? Even the disciples began to complain. And you know, I think that happens in Christianity today. We're listening too much to what the world says about God and about Jesus instead of listening what God the Father says about His Son and His Son says about His Father through the Word. Does that make sense? Folks, we must get to know the Lord. Why? Listen to what he says in verse 62. Then what will you think if you see me, the Messiah, return to heaven again? Now stop for just a second. Was Jesus just blowing smoke? Had anyone ascended into heaven again? You remember in John chapter 3, and again I'm hoping and praying that you're reading the gospel. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, if I tell you earthly things, you don't believe me, how can I tell you heavenly things? I'm telling you things because I came from heaven Jesus is saying, I know the things of heaven, and I'm sharing them with you. And he's telling the disciples, what are you going to do when you see the Messiah return to heaven? And does that happen? Yes, it does. Look in the first chapter of the book of Acts. As Jesus is taken out of their sight, they're standing there looking. And the angels say to them, why do you stand gazing in the heaven? This same Jesus is going to come again in like ways. We, when Jesus comes back, if we're living, we should not be surprised. Because we ought to know who he is. How do we know? By giving him first place in our heart and by studying about him in his word. Let me get back to the text. Only the Holy Spirit gives eternal life. Those born only once with physical birth will never receive this gift. You know what he's saying? What he said to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born twice. We've been born physically, correct? You wouldn't be here if you weren't. But we've got to be born into the kingdom of God. Listen to this. But now I've told you how to get this true spiritual life. But some of you don't believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning who did not believe. And neither one who would betray him. And he remarked. 
That is what I meant when I said no one can come to me unless the Father attracts him to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And I'll stop right there for just a second. I'm about to run out of time, and I know that. You know, this is really a depressing thought to me, but I need to share it. There were many people who followed Jesus temporarily until he started really revealing who he was. And they said, we don't want none of this. You know what they've been saying to Jesus in John chapter 6? If you keep feeding us, man, we'll be with you all the way. You keep putting gas in the car, we'll ride with you. Not being sarcastic. But Jesus is beginning to reveal who he is. They won't believe it. So they turned and they deserted Jesus. They heard the truth. Listen to this. They heard the truth, yet still, because they did not commit themselves to the Lord Jesus, they abandoned him. Again, I'm not trying to be intimidating in anything that I say. But the thought hit me, and I wrote it in the margin, will there be people in hell who heard the gospel yet refused to come to Christ? Think about it for just a second. How many thieves were crucified with Jesus? Two. One mocked the Lord and rejected him as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and the other said, Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Folks, so often as Christians, we can say, well, I know Jesus as my Savior. And praise God for that. Praise God that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But folks, what about the rest of our life? Does God want us to know him in a greater and a better way? And he does. You see, John 1.12, and if you will, go ahead and go to that, Steve, and I, I promise you, I'll say a prayer and I'll finish, okay? All who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Would a parent abandon his child? And I know that's happening in our world every day. Perhaps you're here and your, your parent or parents abandon you as a child. That's not being a good parent, is it? Our Heavenly Father is not going to treat us that way. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to have intimate fellowship with Him. He wants us to know Him on a day-to-day basis. He is not going to be absent from, from us unless we turn away from Him. And folks, the whole purpose of this, this, this message, these series of messages is that you and I can know the Lord Jesus and we can know the Heavenly Father and we can walk with Him on a day-to-day basis. But it is something that we choose to do. And let me tell you something. The world might be offering us all these things and saying, oh, don't follow that religious stuff and I don't be religious And I'll tell you why next week. Religion is man's effort to reach up to God. Christianity is God, holy God, reaching down to sinful man. God wants us to have a relationship with him, not just being saved. And folks, look, do you believe in heaven? 
We're going to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus and with the Father. Folks, let's not go, go to heaven and be a stranger. Let's go to heaven and say, Father, I thank you for saving me, and I'm, I'm so excited about spending eternity with you. Folks, my heart's desire is that you and I know the Lord Jesus on a day-to-day basis. But folks, it's up to us. We can't give you every bit of knowledge about the Lord in, in a 30-minute sermon. That's not the way God decided. He wants you and I to know Him on a day-to-day basis and walk with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, speak through the words of Your Son. God, I am so grateful that we can profess faith in Your Son and know Him as Savior. But God, place a yearning in our hearts that we would not only know you as our personal Savior, but we would know you personally on a day-to-day basis. Lord, we want to be used of you. But yet, Lord, we stop that from happening because we don't give you enough time to grow us and develop us into usable vessels. Lord, I pray that as the people hear these sermons, that they would hear not a pastor who is demanding that we live a certain way and do certain things, but Lord, that from my heart I'm sharing with them that we can know you intimately, closely. And as we know you more and more intimately and closely, you're going to do more and more in our lives and through our lives and through this church to touch the lives of others. So, Father, help us. Help us not to follow you at a distance. Help us, Lord, not to abandon you when things get tough. Help us not to allow Satan to rob us of the daily joy of knowing you and fellowshipping with you. But, God, help us that we will surrender ourselves to you. And, Father, today I pray that if there's someone here that's heard the gospel many, many times but yet never responded May they in these moments acknowledge their sin, repent of that sin, and turn to your Son as their personal Savior and begin to walk with Him. Father, please have your way and your will in these moments of invitation. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen.